1: Of the Caribbean if the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline mouth-watering flavors of the world-class bayesian cuisine and of course plenty of rum head to visit forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados the best place to be a cricket fan
2: Hello, welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm Jared Kimber in St Lucia, where the waves are crashing down, and earlier they all but destroyed me. Uh, today, Gareth Batty is going to be talking to Adol Rashid in a Yorkshire Spinners Love lovefest. In those situations, it won't go your way
3: because you, you do the same thing, but you get hit. But some days it does, and you know the other day in my way, you know I had a simple game plan of looking to uh, bowl my tricks. Mix the lens up, mix
2: the pace up and, and, and you know, in my way. I'll explain travel in the West Indies while Andrew McKenna talks to Jason Holder.
4: Yeah, it seems clear and straightforward, you know. Um, yeah, it's been a hell of a series so far. Lots of runs being scored and, you know, a lot of milestones being made. Um, yeah, ultimately for tomorrow to square the series, I think, you know, the guys are in pretty good spirits. You know, we've been, we've been doing a lot of things well and it's just a matter for us to close the series and, um, and square it.
2: But for now, I want to talk about Chris Gale and Josh Butler because they're both really good. And the other day, they made a lot of runs. I, I, I don't have the exact stats to hand, but I think it was a million. so a million runs off 12 balls. Uh, well, at one stage, I think that might have been what it said after a scoreboard error, but uh, not quite what they meant. Talk about Chris Gale first because I find him just such an interesting batsman because he has the ability to do something that most batsmen don't do which is hit sixes while sort of playing within himself and he, he has so much power in fact that he has the ability to hit sixes out of the stadium while still looking like he's playing within himself uh, he does a few things I find really interesting one is he's probably one of the last players in the world that really takes his time if, if you look at T20 cricket I think his strike rate off the first five balls is 80 which means he's four or five balls but uh, you know there are other guys out Out there, like Luke Ronke who straight right off the first five balls uh, are you know is somewhere around 160, so he's twice the pace when it when it comes to the first five balls as Gale, and we see him one day cricket he's even slower still um, you know so he takes his he takes his time and he also picks his bowlers in this series he really hasn't gone after Mark Wood very much at all it, it, you know very occasionally if Wood's bowled a bad ball he might go after it but realistically you know at his age he's thinking Mark Wood's a bit quick for me and if Liam Plunkett gets in the right area it's not perfect for me and if Adol Rashid is spinning it a bit much I don't need to he knows that he can catch up with other bowlers he knows that if he gets a run a of ball off one bowler and gets you know four runs a of ball off another bowler it, it, it means that's two runs of all. He, he's worked all that out. You know, and he's also very clever at the way he uses his power and his patience because you know, we, we talk about him as a dasher, but realistically he's made two um, triple centuries in test cricket. So he actually has a lot of patience. He'll, he'll leave balls a lot. He'll defend balls a lot. Um, and that means that he, he's conserving his, his power, perhaps more than you know, a normal player would. He also doesn't really waste um, waste his time trying to hit balls um, that he doesn't think are uh, in his arc, and he'll wait for the ball to come in. He's got a few arcs, to be fair, which, which does, it certainly does help. But the point with Gale is that, you know, it's this mixture of patience and power, and then a lot of his shots, especially in the power play, but even later on, they're sort of chips. They're sort of half hits, because a half hit from Chris Gale is like 10 hits from me or any normal human being. Um, also, you know, and, and there's many different ways to look at this, but he does doesn't run between wickets. I would suggest he's never really run between wickets. Very rarely does he, unless uh, he wants to strike. If he knows there's going to be a bowler at the other end he wants to have a go at, you'll suddenly see the last ball of the over. You'll pop the ball into covers and take off. But there's a couple of reasons why he doesn't do that. He's, he's saving his energy for the six hitting, which makes sense because, you know, a six is worth a lot more than a single. Um, and the risks that he takes on six sixes are a lot less than a normal player would probably even trying to get a single at times, but certainly trying to force the pace. A- and there's... It's also, you know, just a very basic way that, that that he he goes about it. You know, if he if he isn't running, he's taking away run outs away from that as well. Not to mention, and I think this is important, uh, he has hamstrings that are made of Swiss cheese, so he, he's not going to run very much. Whereas Joss Butler's completely different. If you just look at at the running between the wickets, you know, Butler believes every single run is, is an option for him. He doesn't really like dot balls either. He's trying to, you know, Joss Butler and AB de are probably, you know when it comes to guys who can hit they're probably two of the best players in the world who hit a lot of boundaries but also just don't face a lot of balls so Butler is consistently rotating the strike he's consistently trying to turn ones into twos whether it's for him or from his partner every run matters to him so he's obviously fit on a level that to be fair Chris Gale's probably never been on partly because of those uh, Swiss cheese hamstrings as much as anything but also he's a different kind of athlete to him he hits in a different way than Chris Gale as well Chris Gale has this sort of half hitting style whereas Butler's is much more Almost a, uh, almost like a golf swing. Uh, he waits for the ball to be very much under his eye line, and he, he plays he plays these powerful shots that have that power fade. It's almost like you see in golfers uh, where just at the end it just sort of um, swings away a little bit because he sort of almost chops through the ball. Um, he also can score pretty much anywhere like you know Gale has specific areas where he likes to score he has specific, specific areas where he looks for boundaries or for sixes and he, he will target certain points the thing with Butler is and one of the things that makes him so hard to bowl to is he can score everywhere and that includes all the newer shots and you know the flicks and the scoops and, and these sorts of things And and he's so quick at the way that he can change he can premeditate and still back himself away from there so he's a completely different sort of player than Gale even if they both might end up with very similar strike rates in, in innings like the other day where they both face a lot of balls but the difference is that Butler's going to be you know consistently quick he was a runner ball after after 40 and that's not even that quick for him and then he will he will then explode when he feels it is necessary. So sometimes he'll explode from the first time he comes in and other times he'll explode uh, later on. Whereas Gale, as an opener um, and as a different kind of hitter, usually waits until he's got the right bowlers in the right situation and he's set. So if, if you look at these sort of players, they both are very fast scoring players, but Gale plays this very West Indian style of game, which is that sixes. Sometimes fours, but mostly sixes are worth a lot more than singles and twos. So if you're going to take a chance, you're better off to take a chance on those. Wait till the ball is in your area and it's the kind of bowler you want, and then hit him for mid-on over six mostly. Whereas Butler is much more like the rest of England in that they try and score off as many balls as they can. They try and uh you know take down any bowler that they're always scoring, whether it's at the start of the innings, the middle, or the end. It doesn't really matter to them. And they're scoring most of them anyway, 360 degrees. So it's quite interesting the way that these two batting styles really do show a lot about the way the two teams play. But for now, here's Gareth Batty and Adil Rashid, two men, to be honest, who are bold to Josh Butler and Chris Gale. We've got the hero of
5: Grenada with us today. Just talk us through that final over, four wickets in the over, to get England over the line in what was an absolute run bonanza.
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was, uh, like I say, a run fest. Um, but, you know, I thought Western Indies first and foremost played exceptional, well even to get you know close to that score uh, but for me when i came on to ball at the end there you know i had a clear mindset of what i was trying to achieve is you know, sticking to my strengths looking to spin the ball get it above the eye line you know it's a risk as well you take but it's something you know if you win the wickets and something you uh, for me uh, you know i have to do and that's what i i, I tried doing at the end there and mixing it up and watching the batsman. and you know thankfully for me it went my way so 30 odd sixes
5: in the game at the end of your mark Twenty odd runs to win, thirty runs I think it was at the start. Of the, uh, you must have some sort of nerves. Are you thinking, can I have risk reward here, or are you thinking just get in and out of the over?
3: Uh, there's a bit of both. First, you know, having that belief and having that confidence. You know what well, I can win the game for me. Having that thing, you know what well, I can be the game changer here with with my tricks and stuff, and and, and and having that. And that's what I was, you know, I was trying to do at the top of the and You know, some days in those situations it will go your way because you, you do the same thing, but you get hit. But some days it does, and you know, the other day went my way. You know, I had, I had a simple game plan of looking to. Uh, my tricks, mix the length up, mix the pace up, and 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 you know, it my way. And from a team point of view, to
5: get over the line and what a thrilling game! How how is it in the change room afterwards? A bit of a
3: you know, obviously, say relief or something because you know we we need to score 410. You don't expect many teams to come even close to that. But you know, West Indies came out. They got a strong batting lineup. They got strong players. You know, Chris Gale there, 100. Fifty or whatever it was, um, then people came in after Dwayne Bravo, so they, you know the batting kept coming and and they were stayed up with the run rate all the way through as well. Uh, but we always had that belief though. And I was watching yourself and Mo the other day on the
5: outfield. I know you're great mitts, and Mo's working on this front of the handball, And I could see—is it Coach Rashid now? I know you were giving him some tips with the <laughs> leg spin stuff. What what was happening there?
3: No, no, he's obviously playing around looking for variations. Uh, so 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 am I. But you know we're, we're there to help each other. Um, so, you know, if I see something that I, you know, think whatever, I'll I have my say and, and vice versa, whatever he sees in something in me, like I say, because we know, we know each other's games pretty well. So we're just there to help, uh, you know, help each other. But, you know, it's, it's about, always about learning and developing the skills. And, and if we can, you know, develop the more skills we have, you know, the more exciting it will be to play cricket.
5: Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Go well tomorrow
3: and uh, we'll see you soon. No problem. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you.
2: Big thanks to Gareth Batty for that. Uh, I want to talk about something slightly different now. Uh, We've been in the West Indies. Well, some of us have been in the West Indies for, I don't know, if it's not two months yet. It feels like two months. I've I've been here. I've seen a lot of beaches, a lot of beautiful beaches. The odd terrible beach. There's also a bit of a seaweed problem at the moment. Although, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's almost like saying, oh, look at all this free food. There's, you know, there's only seven prawns um, in in my meal today. Um, When it comes to seaweed, you know, you can swim around it. You can step on it. It's a bit squishy. We're going to move on from the seaweed. But as far as the West Indies go... It is quite an interesting place to travel because in a place like India, which is hard to get around, you're still actually in the same country. It may not always feel like it in India. There's different languages and different situations every, everywhere you go in India. But the West Indies is legitimately different countries. So just traveling between the places. And so let, let me take you through um, our, our travel from Grenada to St. Lucia. Now, Grenada to St. Lucia is something that I'm pretty sure if you gave me a shark cage and maybe the odd energy drink, I could swim. Between the two, if I had to, you know, it would take me a while. I'm not not saying it would be easy for me to swim, but you know, if you help me out, I could get, I could get there. But yesterday, in order to get between these two places, I had two flights, so I had to wake at 4 a.m. My flight was at 6 a.m. I arrived into Port of Spain, so that's further away. Um, from from uh, St. Lucia than uh, basically where I started. I then had six hours in the airport and uh, eventually then we made our way from uh, Trinidad up to St. Lucia which was about an hour and a half on, on a propeller plane. So the whole thing took me about nine, nine, ten hours altogether. Now, it wasn't even the longest trip any of our staff made yesterday. Uh, Some of the other guys got a slightly longer flight. Similar again, they had to go to Trinidad to get back up um, to St. Lucia. And then we had uh, Manners who uh, sadly left us and it would take Manners 50 hours to get from Grenada Back to Johannesburg, which sort of tells you, and a lot of that is in the West Indies. He spent, I think he was in the West Indies for almost 24 hours of that, which just tells you the sort of ridiculous nature of, of traveling around these islands because they're not really made to travel around. A lot of the travel, when, when you're coming to the West Indies, is from America or from Europe and you're flying on a direct flight straight in to the place you want to go to, maybe catching a little connecting flight to another island if you want to, and then back out again. Th- these islands are not made for crickets. And, and when things go wrong over here, they go terribly wrong. And these sorts of things are very common. If you look at the CPL, which obviously, you know, I work with St. Lucia. Uh, Last year, we had a game in Jamaica. And two days later, we were playing our first home game in St. Lucia. Uh, Most of the teams got a 5 a.m. flight out of uh, Jamaica via Miami. So not ideal. Yet again, a sort of whole day trip where they had to go via America. So they had to leave the Caribbean um, to go to another part of the Caribbean. But a few of the members of the team, for various reasons, uh, couldn't actually do that. So they had to go from Jamaica to one of the other Caribbean islands. Then they had to go to Panama City, uh, which sounds like a 1980s movie, really, as much as anything. Then they had to go to Trinidad, which you would have thought you could have got to Jamaica from Trinidad. But yeah, I'm just going to leave. I, I don't know why that happened. Uh, in Trinidad, though, uh, they got in late at night, which meant there were no connecting flights to St. Lucia. So three of our team had to sleep overnight in Trinidad Airport, wake up in Trinidad Airport, then catch a flight to St. Lucia and play a game that very day. Those sorts of things um, unfortunately are just part of travelling around the West Indies. Uh, Having spent so much much time travelling around and and usually going from one island to another island to get to the other island, uh, what you find is that the forms that they make you fill out f- to arrive in every single island are actually longer than the flights themselves. But here is two men that have traveled and are now safely in St Lucia, listening to country music, which is surprisingly big here, and a bit of soca, which is more obviously big here. It's Andrew McKenna talking to Jason Holder. Jason, we've got a final game of this series to play, and you guys know you have to win it to end up with a tied series. It's
4: pretty clear and straightforward. Yeah, it seems clear and straightforward. And you know. um, yeah, it's been a hell of a series so far. Lots of runs being scored, and you know a lot of milestones being made. Um, yeah, all to deliver tomorrow to square the series. I think you know the guys are in pretty good spirits. You know we've been we've been doing a lot of things well, and it's just a matter for us to close out the series and um and square it. You mentioned milestones. Chris Gale getting ten thousand one day international runs. It kind of boggles the mind a bit. Those kind of numbers. Yeah, it's phenomenal, man. He's been an absolute legend for, for West Indies cricket in the white ball format, for sure. Um, you know, and also in his test cricket as well, you know. He's done tremendously well for himself and for West Indies cricket, and I commend him, you know. Um, just hope that he could close out this series, you now with, with another banging performance. And, you know, put us in, in really good stead when we're back. Can I ask you, what was the dressing room like after the second game in Grenada? It was obviously a game that you'd lost, but you made a, a total that will win probably 99 games out of 100. So... We always talk about taking the positives out of games. How did the dressing room feel? You know, it was a tough one. Um, you know, you came so close, and, and you know, still lose the game. But yeah, lots of positives in the game. I felt the guys batted really, really well. You know, staying down 400 is, is daunting in any in any format. And you know, the way the guys showed the application, you know, went out fearless and you know, attacked it. You know, was tremendous. And you know, credit to Chris. You know, he really got us in a position to to press home and. You know, I thought the guys supported him quite nicely. Brav had a really good partnership with him. You know, myself came in and, and had a good partnership with him. And it's really good to see the guys behind around him. And, you know, hopefully it could continue. And hopefully a few more guys can chip in with the bat and push us a little further. Was it a good game of cricket, though? Because it was so one-sided in terms of bats against ball. You know, that game was being shown around the world. I'm just worried that youngsters watching that, who's going to want to grow up being a bowler? <laughs> Yeah, it's tough seeing the ball fly around the park, you know, as uh, particularly for bowlers. But yeah, that's the way the modern day game has gone to um it's been very, very belligerent on bowlers, man. It's it's just a thin line for, for Error and you know, you've gotta be really, really precise with what whatever you're looking to execute. If not you're gonna pay. Uh, you know, there's quite small boundaries and you know, some really big bats nowadays, so, yeah, it's, it's tough for bowlers, but, you know, I think we've got to find a way, you know, we've shown in the second game that, you know, we can't restrict England, um, and we can't bowl them out for, for a reasonable total, so, um, I mean, just to stick into your plans, it felt we just be a, a little scattered brain at the very end, and, you know, the ball was going around the park, and we just weren't clear. Um, that's something we spoke about, and just something we need to correct. So, what are we expecting from this game then? I mean, boundary size looks pretty similar. Are we talking about another high scoring game? I don't think the boundaries matter in than is, you know, to be fair. Um, yeah, this wicket tends to be an, 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 a good wicket for batting as well, too. So, you know, you could probably expect another high scoring affair. Hopefully, our bowlers can, you know, be a little bit more precise and execute our plans. Andre Russell was in the squad. You didn't use him in Grenada. Could he be used in this one? Um, yeah, he's he's not hundred percent at, at this present time. Um, he's been struggling a little bit uh, with his knees. Uh, we'll see how he pulls up tomorrow. You know, me, you know, try to try, try to get him in, in, in the eleven. If not, you know, we we'll keep him back for the for the latter half of the tournament. Is that the thing with so much cricket this year and a World Cup coming up? There's no point risking him now, making anything worse. You want him available in England in the summer. Yeah, it's more so for him, you know, he needs to get his body right. You know, he's been obviously struggling a little bit with injuries here and there. And it's just a matter for him just to be 100% confident when he steps on the cricket field. There's no point having him, you know, 80 or 70% fit or even less than that. You know, I think the best thing for him and, and for West Indies cricket is for him getting to a point where he's mentally, mentally OK to step on the field with his body. And, you know, once he gets to that point, you know, we will we'll welcome him with both arms.
2: Big thanks to Maka for that. All right. Well, just on the, the, the sort of small island nature of, of these trips and small islands and uh, sometimes big travel times, uh, today I went and got my haircut, got a little bit of a fade down at the local barbers in, in Rodney Mall. And I had to wait, unfortunately, though, because uh, in one chair was uh, Joe Root, and in the other chair was uh, Johnny Besto, which just tells you when you go on these tours, the, the sort of weird situations that you find yourself in. I kind of feel when all the England support staff and media and uh, IMG and sky and everyone actually leaves the island there's only going to be about seven or eight people left but that's all for now so if you like what you hear uh, make sure that you subscribe through your favorite podcast app or any podcast app really and stay up to date with all the news from the england's tour to the caribbean we're almost finished so stick with us right to the end you're listening to following on